Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm glad to be with you on this Monday. Very excited to get the week off to a great start. I hope your day's been going well. I'm going to have uh, Patrick Albanese come on to help me get things started. And then the Monday afternoon mix will follow. And then a full hour with Dr. Rona Epstein in hour two. We're going to talk about food triggers. If you have an issue with food, I think you're going to want to definitely tune into that hour as well. So it is tax day. And so my first question to Patrick is how late? Were you working last night? I uh, I'm proud to say I I got it in before the bell went off. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you. I'm a tax procrastinator. Yep, many are. Don't feel bad yeah. about that. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and my wife, in 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 the most respectful way possible, uh, said to me yesterday, uh, after I had finished them, and you know, exhaled. A sigh because I've been holding my breath for well over six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Why do you put yourself through this? You know, every year you you know it's it's you're always afraid we're going to you know get, get a big tax bill. You're always you know just you're just afraid to fill out all those numbers and get it all done. And uh, then you know, and sometimes we do owe that money, and so you know, doom and gloom uh, does happen. Um, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we've we've calculated correctly." And uh, we owe them a dollar fifty. So, uh, folks out there, that dollar fifty—that's for you. Exactly. How generous <laughs> of you. Split it up accordingly. It's, yeah, but I do it to myself every single time, and yeah, uh, I just and, and I, I fret over it. Just go. Oh, I don't want to do those because well, the the news, the news. Oh yeah. Well, I think your wife was wise to say, "Why fret over it? Just do it and find out what the results are." Now, she said, why don't you, how about you do them in February? And, you know, if it turns out we owe a whole bunch of money, yeah, you, you know, we don't have to electronically file them until the due date. Right. We, we can wait and we can start setting money from paychecks aside so that the sting is less. It's like just because you started filling it out, it's not like the IRS is going to say, we see you've started to fill out your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to pay. You have to pay now. You, mm-hmm. you owe a considerable sum. And and then you know on the off chance that we're getting some money back, hey, we would know back in February. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that be grand? And I said this is a, a wonderful idea that I'm pretty certain I will ignore next year. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say you're not going to do that next year, but I love I love the idea of it. Yeah, I, it's funny. I I I actually have a memo that pops up in my phone uh, on February first every year. I just set it to replay. And it's a message that says, don't do taxes by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and I hit the snooze button on it every day until the taxes are done. <laughs> and I can, then I can dismiss the note. I so love next it. February, I, uh, I haven't learned. Well, don't pa- do taxes yeah. by yourself. Patrick, I'm always encouraged when I get a note from a listener that says, hey, I was listening to your show and this is what you guys were talking about. And a uh, listener named Shirley said that we were talking about you being frustrated at stoplights and you had, 
we're sitting there waiting. She's been a public school teacher for over 40 years, and she, she said, I, I may, so I make up lots of acronyms to use with students because they're fun and efficient. So she gave me this one. Next time you're at a red stoplight, suddenly uh, the acronym STOP should stand for STOP to Offer Prayer. Oh, that's good. That is good. So when you're at that's... that stop sign or stoplight, go, I've got to come to a stop. Ooh, STOP to Offer Prayer. You can do that all the time. You can do that one all the time. Yep. Uh, who, who is this listener? A uh, listener uh, from Wisconsin. Well, uh, these Wisconsin people, they got it together. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah. She sent me a couple of others. She goes, here's an acronym for HOPE, and the acronym for HOPE is Heaven Offers Peace Eternally. And the one for peace is Pray Every Day and Christ Enters. That's the acronym for peace. So I don't I know like if it. listeners, if you've got a great acronym that you like, or one that you've made up, or one that you love using, uh, let me know what it is. I'd love to hear it. 877-933-2484. Do you have a favorite acronym that you like to use? I'd love to get a couple more of these. These are gems. Well, I mean, of course, there, you know, texting language is... And my dog, he, he actually speaks texting language. Nice. When we leave the house, if we just say BRB, he knows, he knows it means be right back. <laughs> so he I understands... Think- abbreviations in texting language. I love that. Yeah. My my wife was for a while was teaching uh, at the college level and uh, some of her students would occasionally hand in papers and she'd say, you know, I I just don't accept texting language (laughs) in an essay. (laughs) (laughs) But she would get those. Seriously. Yeah, she would get the, she would get those. And even in the college level, her first day, she would get up and on the blackboard, they sometimes still use those or the dry erase boards or an overhead projector. She'd say, I'm just going to put these up here for those who don't know, but there, there, and there. (laughs) (laughs) But she would explain the differences and she would say, uh, you know, uh, no texting language, uh, you know, and, 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 and please do not insert numbers in words like L the number eight TR. <laughs> if you just, if you cannot spell later, wow. just, you let me know, let me know now. And we can just, you can go part ways. I'd be curious if there's an acronym. So, so I, I don't like the stop signs. Uh, how about this one? Do you think you spend in, in, would you like to have some of these, you know, you say, I'd if I could have that time back, you know, what time I've discovered I'd like to have back. What? The amount of time I spend looking at pop-up ads trying to find where they've hidden the little X to close. <laughs> you know that thing? The tiny little letter X to, you know, you, you, you're opening up a web page, you want to read an article, and they put something up there, and you go, there's an X in there somewhere. <laughs> and it's usually in a lighter, like they have a background color of brown, and the X will be a lighter shade of brown, mm-hmm. and it's always moving, and it's in a different corner every single time. Well, this is an art form that these ad designers say, oh, absolutely. we have to put the X in by law, but it doesn't have to be easy to find. <laughs> right. So all so. of these people using uh, texting language, are, are any of them learning to write with cursive handwriting? Well, they don't teach cursive. That's too I don't, bad. I don't, I don't, I think they stopped teaching that, which made me wonder, well, how do you sign your name? You have to at least learn how to sign your name, yeah. don't you? Or can you just print it these days? Is that I don't know. that's probably good enough, isn't it? I don't know. Beautiful penmanship is that a thing of the past? Yeah, yeah. So you know, one day somebody will discover calligraphy and say, "Look at this ancient art form." Yeah, that's what Steve Jobs did. He loved style and beauty. He was a calligrapher. Mm-hmm. 
Really? Yeah. And he designed beautiful things. He designed beautiful things. Well, so, he had people design them. He says, not pretty enough. Yeah. yeah. So got a couple uh, acronyms here coming in. Uh, Grace, which is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a good one. And wow. here's one for faith, forsaking all I trust him. I love that. It's lovely. Thank you, Deborah. And also, I think of the three Ps, which I try to have in the back of my head when I feel stressed, and that is pause, pray, proceed. That's just great advice. Uh, even for someone who would be a non-believer, you, you could say you can at least do the pause before you proceed thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's wonderful. Yeah. How fast do you that's feel not... like you can be triggered and all of a sudden you feel flooded and your your adrenaline's up and your pulse is racing? And usually you don't do things well at that point. If you can pause, no. pray, and proceed, I think you're better off. I do think you're better off. And it it's, it is alarming. I, I think it can depend on your mood on any given day. Uh, we're, we're such fickle beings, us, us humans, that... Uh, um, have you ever had, like, you know, something can happen and you're in one of those moods where you say, I can handle almost just about anything today and I will hand it, handle it gracefully, cheerfully. Um, I, I had a moment like that this morning. You know, my son got in the car and he said, uh-oh, which I never liked that. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> not, a, not a big fan of the uh-oh, right? And uh, I said, I, I, and I, I didn't. You know, do my my normal dad thing might often be like, well, uh oh, is bad. What what happened? I said, what? I just very nicely said, he goes, well, there was some mud in the back of my pants. It got on the seats. I go, well, that's why I get the cars with the black fabric because that cleans up easily. And he kept checking with me. He says, but it's it's a big big smear, dad. I said, ah, I get it. it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And I thought, wow, there might have been other days. I, I you know you don't handle those things well. Mm -hmm. And you're so right. If you pause. Like had I had one of those moments where I was going to maybe get upset, if I would pause, I'd say, what's the harm? Yeah. You know, you can do more harm to him by getting upset about something that is cleanable. Now, I know that's not the, the world's greatest example, but I like uh, it. But a brief pause before you lose your temper, uh, you, you might find yourself, you know, saying, I, I don't need to get too upset about this. This is not a big deal. I agree. Yeah. And then when you mentioned that you had maybe a tax bill of a dollar fifty, uh, Linda just texted me and said, "Tell Patrick he should round up to two dollars. He won't mind that for taxes." So there you go. Well, and then Taking it, a little uh, extra. It's a good idea. It's a good idea, but I'm afraid they'll use it for presidential campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever check that three dollar box? I never do. I never do. Yeah. I don't even know why they bother asking. I'm like, don't you don't you guys have enough money? You want three more dollars out of me. Yeah, right. And I don't even know who you're going to give it to. You're just going to give it to somebody running for something. Yeah. yeah. My presidential Keep campaign's up. rather bloated anyway. What did they spend in the last election? A few billion dollars? A few billion, yeah, give or take. Yeah. Give, give, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all to run ads that says the other guy's no good. Yeah. All right. I'm going to uh, pause, and then I'm going to... Pray and then proceed with returning to our interview after a short break. Patrick Albanese is my guest. Thanks for joining me today. We'll be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... 
I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain And my head I'd be scratching While my thoughts were busy hatching If I only had a brain Welcome back to segment two of my interview with Patrick Albanese, which should be every bit as interesting as segment one, although there's no guarantees. <laughs> well, I, no, there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. But, you know, you and I, are, we're, we're, we're seekers, right? <laughs> you believe in continuing, you like, you know, I don't know how old you are. You're Doesn't late matter. Late 30s or something. Yeah, early uh, 40s. It, uh, okay, so well, you look younger than that, but um, you continue your education, right? You oh, still study. You like to read. I, I've been meaning to ask you because you're doing that Wayne Gretzky master master class, aren't you? <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I thought that was yeah, admirable. How is that going anyway? And it's hard, way harder than is, I thought it would be. I was going to sign up for it, but it turns out they expect you to be able to skate. Yeah, there's the problem right there. I found out to right. be uh, every bit the same challenge. How am I supposed to master hockey if 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 you're not going to help me get on the skates? Right, so. exactly. Wow. So, okay, a couple of other things I want to chat about. For starters, I had uh, breakfast with a friend of mine over the weekend, and he lived twice in Brazil, once in Japan. He was doing business in Moscow, and hmm. he said uh, uh, before he left for the airport, they were going to do like a like a three hour tour of the city, and someone from the office was going to give him a little tour. So they get in a car and and they would uh, look at the city for three hours. They got stopped three times by police. Each time, they were forced to pay a bribe to the police. When he got back to his car, this is three yeah. hours later. There was a policeman standing at his car that returned all the money when they found out who he was. Oh, so it wasn't one of these just kidding things. <laughs> <laughs> but he said he said to me, "It's interesting." In America, when you get stopped by the police, your thought is, what did I do wrong? And he said, in most other places of the world, you get stopped by the police and your thought is, what do they want? Yeah. I think I think in America, 50% of the time, it's what that I did wrong. And the other 50% of the time, it's, oh, they caught me. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, uh, I, th- I got caught running a red light once. I was... I had a pretty good idea why I was being pulled over. <laughs> pretty good. I, I I actually thought to myself, I don't know if this is a good time to pull the old, is there a problem officer? <laughs> I thought I I should just say, that was me. I did that. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. So, so. there is a mask ban in, in Iowa or is that all gone? We haven't had the mandate for uh, uh, the oh, governor lifted it a, a few months ago. Okay. Uh, and in fact, our, our school district... They were mulling over whether the last two and a half weeks to um, say, you know, we don't need them in the schools anymore. Okay. And one of the other school districts did do that. I uh, said, you know what? Uh, the mask mandates lifted any, a couple of months ago, and now the CDC says no masks. So they said, you know, no more masks uh, till the end of the year. Two days later, they reversed course because they caught so much backlash uh, oh, from some people that just said, no, no. And... So I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a while. I, I know that people like to say they follow the science, but I think a, we've gotten so accustomed to them. And I think there's, there's still so much fear and uh, let's face it. We watch the news for 24 hours a day anymore, or we can't seem to get away from it that, uh, people are still afraid to do it. And mm-hmm. I, I go to the grocery store and see the occasional person without a mask and, uh, 
I went in the other day and I'd forgotten my mask and I thought, well, I actually don't have to, to wear one. And, you know, nobody said anything. Nope. We lost you temporarily. Hopefully you'll, you'll be back. Um, there you are. Yeah. Oh, did I go on? Yeah. You're cutting in and out a little bit. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. I, so we have lifted the, yeah, there's no mask mandate, but our school, they decided to, for the kids just to, to keep them in place for 12 more days of school. Yeah. When you were cutting, okay. when you were cutting in and out, you had mentioned something about following the science. And of course that gets to, that's quite a catchphrase nowadays, following the science. And I did see over the weekend, a Spanish politician temporarily was suspended by Twitter after saying a man cannot get pregnant. And he said, because yes. they have no uterus or eggs. And for that reason, they suspended him. They said it was hate speech. That is hate speech. What he was doing. Yes. That's hate speech. So mm -hmm. telling the truth is now hate speech. And I believe we've we've been here before, haven't we? Yeah. In the history of the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we know, we talked about... speech, they control you. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit off... Uh, Mike, about the idea that what happens when some of the transgender people go into their doctor's offices and if you are a person who has transitioned from uh, a, a, a woman to a man or from, let's just say from a man to a, a woman and you want to talk about getting pregnant, you go, well, that's not going to happen. But don't the doctors and the scientists say, well, we can't do that? Or is that our doctor's not allowed that to say that speech? stuff anyway. Is that hate speech as well? Yeah. I mean, I would certainly hope that there wouldn't be a person that went through that whole process of transitioning. And I, 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 I don't live in anybody's head, so I don't know what it's like to be inside there anybody else's head. Um, but I, I would certainly hope that they, they wouldn't be, you know, I, I don't know what, what the attitude would be that you would say to the doctor, well, how dare you tell me that I can't get pregnant? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of things I've been told that I can't do and I've had to agree with them because uh, of my diminutive size, basketball was not in the cards for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now I, I could have tried to play. You could have uh, been I, a, you could have been an NBA ref. I could have been an NBA ref. Yeah. I could see you in the little zebra shirt, little costume out there. I could see you doing that or a mascot. Yeah. I, I could easily be the mascot. Yeah. Yes, I could be a mascot. I could you know put on the big furry head. And, you know, that's the kind of fame that's good because you can go out in public and people won't bother you. That's true. Okay, you know, let's, get back, Diego, let's get back to our point, in. though. Our point yeah. is you are a, a man who has transitioned to a woman and then you cannot get pregnant because you don't have a uterus or eggs. No, I, I couldn't imagine that person going to the doctor and asking for fertility treatments because of the inability to get pregnant. But by suspending that politician who stated that, you know, this isn't a possibility, right. at least not not currently. It's not, not a possibility. It's just not possible. Uh, he was suspended for hate speech. So I would be fearful if I were a doctor, in how, how do you approach that subject with somebody if somebody came in and said, well, this is what I want? And do you say, well, okay, we'll start the in vitro? I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, you would, you would hope that there'd still be a sensible enough doctor to say, look, come on, we, 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 this won't work. It's not going to work. But I don't know. And somebody's controlling the language on us, aren't they? Yes, they are. And there's the problem. I think this is one of those areas where 
Christians have to absolutely, without apology, stand up exactly for how God created us. And, you know, the whole, the whole idea is if, if you have, if you hear a lie enough times and you're, yeah. you're, you're even if you can get somebody to, to, to say it, I'm not saying Christians are going to say this because I don't think any Christian would say this, but you're going to get people to say, well, all right, I guess, uh, I guess a, a man can have a baby at a certain point, then the, the enemy is really winning. I believe that, you know, I, I followed that article and I saw the responses and there were enough people uh, responding that, yes, a man can get pregnant to alarm me. And sometimes somebody would respond to that person saying, well, that used that would be a man who used to be female. And uh, they would dismiss that as if that's that had nothing to do with it. And so I often feel that, you know, one of the things that probably tickles the dark side the most is being able to get people to repeat a lie, that, mm-hmm. to just repeat something that they know is absolutely not true and have to spread the information. And now I look at um, the powers that be like, say, at Twitter and Facebook are deciding that they're going to police that stuff too and determine whether you have a right to speak or not unless you comply and repeat the lie that they say you have to say. This Because it, it could start with something innocuous like this, but pretty soon it could get to be, what else do I have to deny exists? Right. Now, I mean, it's not going to be enough that they defeat, uh, you know, the other side. They're going to want you to deny that Christ existed, died for our sins. Yeah. That's what they will insist. Probably. I, I, not going to happen. Not going to happen. So this whole political correctness, Patrick, it does have to swing back eventually. I hope sooner than later. John just uh, sent me a, a text saying, do you think the term penmanship is politically correct? Shouldn't it be penpersonship? <laughs> <laughs> usually we, we usually we try to do the jokes on this segment. But anyway, nice going, John. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, yeah. it's penpersonship or uh, handwriting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if, that, if that word has not been used yet, I came up with it. Yeah, I like it. I like oh. it. It's 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 a scary time, but it's also a time to, you know, hey, we got great acronyms. In fact, I stumbled across a couple myself, a couple for TGIF. How about that? Really? How about uh, today? God is first. Love it. And then another one. Thank God I'm forgiven. I like that, too. How about those? Yeah, I wish I could say I created those, but I uh, I looked them up. This is what you do during the break. You Google, I do do this. You look stuff up. Yeah. Although I, you see, we you know they're doing construction in my neighborhood, so I sometimes check to see if my parking spot has been taken. I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patrick. I thanks for getting. You. Thanks for getting my yeah. Monday started. Loved it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Have a good rest of the day. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. He's my colleague and friend from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Take a little break. The Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles is coming up next. Rosie joining in, of course. And then hour two is going to be Dr. Rona Epstein. We're going to talk about food addictions. That's all coming up. Right now, driving in the car 
with your head bobbing a little bit, hear that music? Because you know that's the music that gets us into the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles, pastor at New Hope Church and also adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern. And along with this is, of course, Rosie. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hi, Rosie. I got to talk to Patrick over the weekend. It was a nice little bump in my weekend. Oh, sweet. Not to Patrick. Did I just say Patrick? You said Patrick. You did. Yeah. That is twice I've done that today. Yeah, Bill. I know. I really? Was, yeah, Bill goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Hi, Bill. Patrick. Patrick, I didn't get to talk to you, so I'm finally kind of feeling left out. These two got to yeah. talk to you. So. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> He's probably not listening anymore. David. Oh, David. There you go. There we go. So yes. I've got my Bible open right now to Luke chapter 14, and I'm going to read the first six verses. On uh, one Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, He was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. So we're going to talk today about guess who's coming to dinner. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty incredible um, what's happening here, even in this passage. You know, we we love food. Food's a wonderful thing, and with some of the relax the, the relaxing of things that are going on in our culture, looking forward to a summer of eating. But food is really relational, and um, you know. You, you tend to sit down and have meals, whether it's like, you know, it's amazing, like people sitting at a table and then you invite food to it and they're like, ah, that's a date, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and, and then things like it's coming into the summer and then there's like this passage today deals with two banquets and one of them's a wedding feast. And so there's various feasts that are coming up. And so in the passage today, actually, Jesus gets, you know, invited to the house and it says to the house of a ruler of Pharisees. A prominent one. Yeah, a prominent yep. one. Because earlier in chapter, yeah, in chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus is actually at the house of a Pharisee. And uh, a woman comes in, and many people love this passage. C.C. Wyden sang a song, and she comes in with an alabaster box, and she breaks it over Jesus' feet, and, and she weeps and she cries. And the Pharisee there, he's just like, man, if you were a prophet and you understood who this person was. Well, he's not just at the house of a Pharisee. He's at the, he's at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, plural. And so this is like no minor kind of invitation and in the middle of it, as you know, you read, Bill, um, you know, I, I'm sitting there thinking, dude, this is a setup, you know, because they're sitting there watching him. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, a man with dropsy drops in. The dropsy dude drops in. Yeah. That's very clever. Yeah. Bad but, Monday joke. Well, leave it to Bill. Um, the humor goes to Bill. The, 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 okay. Yeah. Because yeah. my kids would be like, dad, um, dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's kind of crazy. Mom could tell that joke and it's super funny. But moms are funny. So, um, but he drops in, and so this this condition is what we call edema, um, and it was something that you know either through cancer or kidney or liver damage uh, would would happen. And so you're at the house of a Pharisee, the religious elite, with lawyers, and this this isn't the type of person that would have been 
um, at the house. But earlier in Luke eleven fifty three, because Jesus started calling them out, it says, the scribes and Pharisees began to press Jesus hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. And here they're trying to catch him in something that he might do because it's Sabbath. So if Jesus ignores the man, it shows a lack of compassion. But if he heals the man, he's, he's violated healing uh, on the Sabbath. And what's interesting about this, this man with dropsy is there, and the passage says that Jesus responded. But no one had asked a question. The man was there, but, but, but he was responding to the setup and says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And he confronts them. He says, listen, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to those things. You know, sometimes when you have a conversation, silence sometimes, it really is an answer, you know. Um, and he calls these guys his, uh, his, their hypocrisy out, and he, he, he confronts them over it. And he did an excellent job of it. <laughs> Let me just point that out. He did. Yeah. This you know. tells me you don't want to mess with Jesus. Yeah. You don't but, want to try to trap Jesus. He's not going to fall. Well, one of the things special about Jesus, too, is like John 2, 23 through 25. And another uh, meal, it's the first miracle that he does of turning, you know, wine, water into wine. But there's this little verse at the end that says that Jesus didn't entrust himself to man because he, he knew what was already in their heart. And so Jesus already knew what was in the heart of man. And the, and the sweet thing about it is that Jesus asks just question after question. But, but here in this passage, you know, they've brought this setup. And Jesus is like, wait a minute, dude. This is, this is jacked up. It's Sabbath, but you purposely planted this person here. And you're more concerned um, about about this. And Jesus before in Matthew 23, 13, you know, called these guys. He's like, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And I like one of the things that Stephen Cole does here because he identifies, you know, there's a number of things, but five characteristics of, of hypocrites in this verse. Number one, hypocrites study the word for ammunition against others, but they don't apply it to themselves. So, so they're just studying that. Number two, they target and try to bring down anyone who confronts the sin, their sin, with the word. You see, the leader invited Jesus to dinner to try to set him up and take him down. Three, uh, they're more concerned about their man-made rules than about God being, or, or excuse me, about people being right before God in their hearts. I mean, so like they didn't care about this guy. Because on a, on a normal days, we'll find out they would have never invited them. Four, they bend the rules to their own purposes, but they apply them rigidly uh, to others. So if, if it would have been their situation, they, they would have been on that. And then lastly, they ignore overwhelming ev- evidence in order to persist in their sin. I mean, like Jesus heals this person. And uh, as we see in, in this passage and in, in, in many chapters to come, they, they, don't, they don't change in spite of the work that Jesus does. So did the Pharisees say, was it one of the, the laws that you could not heal on the Sabbath? Yeah, there was earlier passages where they, they complained against Jesus, like in John chapter 5, mm-hmm. where they're like, you know, this guy's healing people on the Sabbath. Like, what, what gives? I mean... So why did they stay silent? Why did they have nothing to say 
when Jesus confronted them? Why didn't they stand up and go, well, wait a minute. Yeah, the, we can't. It's a violation to heal on the Sabbath because they were up against Jesus. I think so. And also one of the things, um, when you look at it, you go on to Jesus uses this passage literally to set up a conversation to get into the issue of the two parable feast. And in this first one, what he does is that he's going to use the parable of a wedding feast to confront the guests that are there on their humility and also on the host on on his generosity. So let's, let's look at that then. So like when you look, when you come into the very next verse, it says, now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. And he then says to these guys, he says, listen, when you invite someone, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor. And that place of honor, literally the word there means, you know, first seats. And so today we would think of it being, you know, a person who goes and, and makes sure to sit at the speaker's table. What if uh, it's your birthday? Well, then <laughs> it's your it's your birthday. Or the retirement party we had today for Jeannie. 42 years she worked there. Yep. Okay. So one of the things is this. Back then, the closer you sat to the host, the person whose house or focus was, the higher, higher you stood on the social ladder. Huh. And the more, and listen, and the more attention... And also the more invitations you would receive uh, about uh, from others. So, so many people, when a situation like this happened, they 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 would rush in and look to be in the the seat closest. And so Jesus goes on in the parable and he says, "Listen, don't do this, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by the host, because back then this was based upon rank, age." And social standards. So today, for that for the party for Jeannie, it was her party. Mm-hmm. So so this was was her thing. So this would be someone saying, "Oh man, I, I got to sit right next to Jeannie." Now, a host back then, when they were having a party and someone showed up, they would not hesitate to move people around based upon importance. Well, now, that would be really hard. That that would be really hard. Ouch. And and kind of awkward. 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 Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I'd so at, I'd be at the kids' table in the kitchen. Me too. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I'd be a doggy bag. I'd be waiting for it to be done. Well, that's why Jesus goes to say, you know, he's like, when that happens, the person is going to come and say, oh, friend, you need to move down because this other person is, and you're going to need to give space for them. So in our modern era, what we do to kind of avoid this, we set up little table uh, cards, nameplates. Mm -hmm. Yep. But it's also not been heard of, and nor have people also seen that you can show up at an event and people will move the table cards to be closer to the person, uh, you know, that's up there. Have you done that? I've not done that. I have never done that. But it was funny. I was sharing about this, and one person who was listening, they were nodding. And I'm like, you've been the person <laughs> to have to set this up. And they're like, yeah. And I've, like, come back, and it's like, well, I, I, I know I sat the person. Like, how did that happen? You know? And so, so instead, Jesus is like, you know, look, when, when you go to an event— actually take a, a lesser seat of honor, you know, um, you know, don't, don't seek to, 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 you know, he says, so take the lowest place so that when the host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you, you know, and, and Jesus is not doing some, some sort of like, you know, how to, you know, you know, win friends and influence people. He's, Remember, a parable 
give, it's a spiritual principle of Jesus's kingdom values. You know, I love our, 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 our senior high uh, um, youth pastor, uh, Harry Walls. And, uh, you know, we were having a preaching team meeting discussing this. And he said, you know, people are, people are searching for that seat. Today in social media, it's like, you know, hi, see me, see me. And experts in management say that people walk around with an invisible sign that says, please tell me I'm important. Hmm. You know, we, we you know, at, uh, actualschedules.com once did a, a look at TV awards show and found that one year they had 46 of them. 46. So when you're wondering, like, didn't they just have, yes, they did, just had, <laughs> they had several, you know. And so... Um, you know, that averages, what, to about almost four a month. Wow. So there's, there's this thing. And so, you know, Pastor Harry is saying people are searching for that seat, yet that seat is always moving. Ooh, that's good. Because think about it. When you go to a new place and you walk in, you have to say, oh, where's, where's that seat? And then you go to someone else's place and you're like, oh, where, where's, where's that seat? And so we spend all this time searching for that seat, but that seat keeps yeah. moving. Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Where am I recognized? Am I being valued? Yep. That's a big one. Let it's me take an a little... itch that doesn't get filled. Yeah. Let me take yeah. a little break. We listen to the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie. We're going to come back and talk about the generosity, false hospitality, and reciprocity. We're in Luke 14, if you have your Bibles open. Two, three verses we're going to discuss when we return are verses 12 to 15. Pastor David Miles is here, Rosie, and we're talking about Luke chapter 14. Let me read a couple of verses. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. Let's just stop there for a second. Do we have a little bit of an obsession in our world today, David? Like if you and I have lunch and the bill comes... And we start to argue who's going to pay, and then you say, I'll, I'll pick it up, and I go, okay, but I'm going to get the next one. Next one's on me. It's like we're, we're so busy marking our territory and making sure that the reciprocity is there. Yeah, and I mean, and sometimes there can be healthy things with that, but sometimes I think, Rosie, you said, uh, sometimes we just, we, we struggle with the idea of... Of how, receiving. Yeah. I think it's really hard, and we were just talking on break about... Is it our culture that Americans are so independent we can't receive well? Or where does that, you know, just having to take care of ourselves or having it have to be equal so it doesn't look like you're a slouch always taking? You know, there's just there's something ingrained in that very subtly nonverbal that yeah. that's not a good thing. And what about when you get treated? Just say, thank you so much and drop the I'll get it next time comment. Because, you know, in your head you were treated and next time, you can just offer to pay. There you go. Doesn't that take a little bit of the fun out of it? Well, I'll get next time. 
Next time it'll just be on me. It's like, well, it's all right. Do do we struggle sometimes with the sense of feeling like what you were hitting at too, Rosie? Just that idea of being indebted. You know, um, you know, we talk about the gospel and sharing, and and one of the things that has been interesting, like walking through a passage of Romans six twenty three, and the beauty of wages, sin, and death, but gift God eternal life and what He does. A question that regular comes up, but okay, yeah, but what do I need to do? Like, well, I have to do something, you know? And the idea that God's grace and the fact that we bring nothing to the table mm-hmm. but our sinfulness is overwhelming because we, we want to believe that, well, there, there's, well, there's something. And sometimes, listen, again, not always, you know, a bad thing to say I want to contribute something, you know? Um, but we sometimes, like you said, we wrestle with receiving and almost feeling that sense of helplessness. Right. Like, I really, I really can't. So what does that say you know, about me? You know, mm-hmm. so and so when, when we jump into this, this passage, you know, Jesus, he, he turns to the person who had invited him. So this is the ruler of the Pharisees. And like you said, you give a banquet, don't just invite your friends, brothers, your relatives, or rich neighbors, lest they in turn uh, return and you be paid. You know, and Jesus is like, um, you know, I'm thinking maybe you invited me because, uh, you know, you invite guests because, one, you know that they're going to they're gonna pay you back, or, number one, they actually owe you. And I mean, like, think of this. When I was a kid, you know, uh, I was like, you know, it'd be cool to have like Michael Jordan at your birthday party. I mean, this dude has Jesus at his party. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, whoa. And so, you know, when he, when Jesus says, you know, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just, you know, for this particular constituency of religious scholars and, you know, the Pharisees, they, they wouldn't have imagined inviting those people uh, to their party. And, and here, be clear, Jesus is not against entertaining family and friends, but he's cautioning against entertaining only family and friends exclusively and habitually. Because in our competitive world, we can get into the, like, the whiffy profit and loss versus service and sacrifice. We're thinking, like, okay, so, like, you know, what do I get out of this as, you know, our society is saying, you know, build, our, you know, build your brand. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes we're like, well, I, I don't really know about this. But for those in the Apple world, you know, what do you have? iPhone, iPod, iPad, iMac, all start with i. And so it's it's a part of the air that we breathe. It's 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 a part of of the water we swim in. And Jesus is saying, you know, you know, n- no. I mean, like it's not just that because Jesus actually he models this because he became nothing. You know, Philippians two seven says, taking on the ser- the form of a doulos. You know, some versions like yes, we say servant, but taking on the form of a Slave and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Well, that gets abstract for us sometimes. How about this? A cross, a um, lethal injection, an electric trail, a, uh, you know, a furnace, a lynching tree. Let the, the weight of what Jesus really gave himself to do. 
And so Jesus is saying to the host, dude, you know, don't just don't just invite for the reciprocal, you know, I, I have this person. But he says, you know, those people who can't do anything. And he said, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. I got you. God's like, I, I, I got you. you. You can do these things quietly and, and I'll, 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 God will take care of you. Well, it's it's heaven's economy. Heaven's guest list looks very different than a guest list down here, doesn't it? You know, yeah. it's not seated in pride. And I think sometimes when you've been talking about all this and I've been just thinking about what you're saying, I'm like, there's such a seat of pride. Yeah. You know, and that's your repayment is that people want to sit by you or you want to be close and it's you, 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 like you were talking about the I with iPad. And that's just not heaven's economy. Well, Rosie, you're, I, Rosie, you're the bomb and, and you know Jesus and that's like super bomb. You know, because he says you'll be this at the resurrection of the just. Verse 15, Rosie segues us right into that. When one of those who reclined at the table, because remember, they recline next to each other. So this, they're having the ultimate, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. When someone reclined at the table with them, heard these things, he said, blessed is everyone who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Now, he says everyone, but he, he wasn't thinking, you know, everyone. Because earlier, in, back in chapter 13, Jesus talks about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets. So for, in, the, in the Jewish mind, they're thinking about them being honors at this joyful feast. And really, the, the everyone there were Jewish men, because women weren't invited to these feasts. And so he's sitting there thinking, I'm a shoo-in. And this actually leads to the second parable, because Jesus then takes the opportunity and says, but I said to... But he said to them, a man once gave a great banquet, and then he invited people. So, you know, um, this we, we'll probably pick this up a little bit later because this, this next part, it, it's, it's really rich. Um, but it's the idea that the, the, the propensity of us to have innies and outies, and I'm not just talking about belly buttons, <laughs> you know, but the idea of who's in and who's out. And Jesus is like, how about you invite people who are naturally out? Because our inclination is to just want to include people who are in or are, we've talked about this before, are in group. And we naturally start to say, well, those people definitely, they're, they're not saved and, you know, they have it wrong and, and they're not. And, uh, you know, Jesus actually is with a group of Pharisees, and he's about to he's about to do a banquet, another parable to kind of say, ah, uh, we need to talk about this. It's so good, David. You know, Jesus is always drawn to people on the margins. I think when you have an opportunity to be with the in crowd or the out crowd, Jesus was always with the out crowd. Yeah, I mean, like Jesus really specialized, you know, with hanging out with those in the out crowd, and 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 it's like a thing whether. It was, you know, the Samaritan woman, whether it was the Syrophoenician woman, whether mm-hmm. it was Jairus's daughter, whether it was a woman with issue of blood that, that got overtaken, whether it was tax collectors and sinners. Jesus constantly, as the Son of God, found himself in these settings. And as you see in chapter 15 at the beginning of the, the one with the prodigal son, it says that when they, when they saw that Jesus was imperfect tense, continually and habitually hanging out with tax collectors and sinners— they continually and habitually complained and grumbled against Jesus. Jesus was a friend of sinners, you know, 
And and that's really sobering um, for us because at the end of the day, really all of us are outsiders to a holy and perfect God. I was just thinking that. I thought, think of all the variables we all have. Everybody just in the studio right now yeah. has, you know, has had that feeling of being an outsider. And, and once you realize that and understand your own depravity, the love for Jesus is just so great. So I can see that their reflection of themselves in Jesus's mirror was pretty disgusting. Yeah. And they didn't like it. And if you're driving today and you're sitting there thinking, you know, I don't like myself. And matter of fact, I feel like an outsider at work and at school in my neighborhood and all those things. And does God see me? Yeah, he does. God, God and his son, Jesus Christ, saw the outsider. And in today's parable, he's even telling the inside, you know, front seat, top of the seat people at all 46 uh, award show. He's saying, hey, guys, actually, when you have a party... Invite the poor, the homeless, the crippled, the lame, the people that you actually wouldn't think because I see them. And God sees you too. Good. uh, Great topic, David. I'm looking forward to having a little bit more time on this topic. Maybe we can do it next Monday. It's good stuff. Yes. I want to explore this some more. That is all we have for the Monday afternoon mix today. Pastor David Miles, again, is at New Hope Church and also adjunct professor right here at the University of of Northwestern. And Rosie, of course, is the producer here at the show. So you've got me on the topic of food, how food is so relational. Our next guest is going to talk about food addictions. Dr. Ron Epstein is going to be with me. We're going to take your questions as well. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.